Hello, fellow listeners. Welcome to the Food for Thought podcast, where we inspire you to think and feed you knowledge that can be applied to your everyday life. I'm your host, Juan Cruz. And today, I'm going to be speaking about one major thing. But before we get started, first of all, let's bring up the sponsor that has sponsored this podcast that I'm so grateful for. Now, the reason why I haven't been able to uh, do the podcast in the last weeks is because I've been busy doing different other things. And one of the things was actually this this podcast that I'm about to do. Um, I went to go do a talks on this, and this is this is something that's very important that's happening in our society. But I'll dive into this a lot deeper. But <clears throat> special thanks and shout out to Bon Appetito, which is an amazing restaurant. You definitely got to check them out. <clears throat> they definitely serve great, great food. Now I usually say you want to go to a restaurant. Look at the ratings that they have, and then from their ratings, you can more or less judge what it is that you want, and you can decide whether it's a good restaurant or not. And a lot of times, the ratings will kind of give you the scale, and you look at this, and you look at the ratings. And I always go like four point two or higher on if you want like a really nice restaurant. You want a good restaurant, four point or higher. Now, if you want to get impressed, I always say go four point five and higher. Well, guess what this place is. 4.5 and higher, and it has 461 people that have rated the restaurant. So that's definitely a good amount. <clears throat> you definitely should check them out. Bon Appetito Restaurante is an amazing place. They have all kinds of different things, and they have a great uh, selection of winery and amazing food. Truly check them out. You, before you're heading off to the casino, which is like the biggest casino in the world, or if not, to Mohegan Sun, Whichever one of the two, you're coming down and you're just going for more than just gambling, but you're going to go shopping, you're going to go check out some restaurants, you're going to go do some different things in the area, check out Bon Appetito Restaurante that has sponsored this podcast that are great supporters. So let's get it started off. Uh, Before we do, just want to give the address real quick, which is 386 Norwich Westerly Road in North Stonington, Connecticut. Okay, so definitely check them out. You could just Google them, uh, check them out on Google uh, on um, Google Maps, uh, Apple Maps, and put Bon Appetito Restaurante. And after you check them out, definitely give them a five star. Okay, no, I mean you don't have to, but they're an amazing restaurant. I think that they're worth a five star. Truly, they are, and they're great people there. So now let's get it started. And I ain't talking black eyed peas, but. <clears throat> This is very important. I haven't been able to do the podcast just because I've gone around and I've done uh, a set of talks that is this podcast because I'm noticing that in our society right now, we have uh, this phenomenon that's happening, which is Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate has become one of the most popular, most famous people, Googled people on earth. I mean, this guy has become so crazy. People are translating all the things he says. And don't get me wrong. I don't disagree with a lot of the things that Andrew Tate says. I believe that he does say some things that are half-truths. So he doesn't give you the full thing. And this is why I'm doing this podcast. Um, There's a lot of people in England that are listening to this podcast. And I'm seeing that also in America and in England, Andrew Tate is becoming something crazy. That people are listening to him. This guy moves to the left. Everybody moves to the left. You know, this guy went to jail. And people are outside protesting, release the top G. Be very cautious with this because 
uh, all the young boys that listen to this podcast, and if you know other people that are listening to him, be very, very cautious with following Andrew Tate. Now, before I get into Andrew Tate, I want to explain how people like Andrew Tate are able to grab the minds of young men who are going through difficulties and don't know how to get out of the suffering. Okay, there's a police officer passing by, and you guys know I don't edit anything, so thank you, police officer. But anyways, so we have something that happens right now in our society, which is what? Which is ideologies. And you think, what is ideology? Okay, so I want to break down a little bit what is an ideology. An ideology is a thought, right? And an ology, which comes from the word logos. Now, what does logos mean? Which is a Greek word for God. <clears throat> but what it means is logos is, is the divine reason in which we govern ourselves by. So if you think about it, take anything you want, biology, uh, sociology, um, whatever it is, theology. It is that, so bio, so the human body, and the science in which we govern ourselves by, right? Gender ideology, right? It's the gender idea in which we govern ourselves by, gender ideology. So gender ideology being like boys who, want to, who think they're, they're girls, girls that think that they're boys, so on and so forth. So ideologies are more or less just what you think that is the idea in which the society should govern themselves by. And they think it's like divine, right? Divine revelation. <clears throat> Everybody always thinks that they have their own different uh, reasons as to why things should be. Now, Hitler. How did Hitler come up with his ideology? Now, most ideologies come from one place. Now, bear with me because remember... I give you outer skirt ideas and then I hit you in the center at the end of the podcast. So Hitler is, is one person who created an ideology. Now what happens with Hitler? Hitler comes along. Hitler is this, uh, if you don't know, I mean, if you, if, if you don't know who Hitler is, you're living under a rock and you didn't study and you probably haven't gone to school. But for those who don't have the privilege of going to school, I'm going to give you a quick few second pre, uh, explanation of what was Hitler. Hitler was a dictator and comes along and sees the suffering of his people. Now, what does he do? This all happened because America, Britain, and a few different other countries got together in something called the League of Nations, which is like the United Nations, both corrupt, I believe. But anyways, <clears throat> the League of Nations gets together. And after World War I, they kind of come to, you know, they collectively decide that Germany is at fault for everything that has happened. So because they decide that Germany is at fault for everything that has happened, they say, okay, Germany, you're not allowed to have this many battleships. This men, uh, Your Navy can only be 30% of what the U.S. Navy and uh, only 40% of what the British Navy is and only so on and so forth, right, as you may know. And then you're going to have to pay the debt of what was, uh, you know, what came out of everybody's pockets and to the world. Right for the cost of this war because you guys are the ones who caused it all. So Germany, of course, decides we're going to eat dirt and do this because they kind of have no choice. Now what happens? Germany enters into such a depression because they went into like an economical collapse. Famine starts to hit the country. Uh, young kids, children begin to die of starvation. 
Now, the mom feels the suffering of this, and the mom dies uh, because of what's happening in Germany, because of the effects of World War I. Now, what happens? Hitler gets frustrated. And who does he blame? He blames the Jews. Now, this is in a nutshell. There's a lot deeper explanation behind all of it. So for all of you who are listening and are picking at every little detail, relax. I know there's little spots missing, but I want to give them more or less the explanation. So he takes all the Jewish people and he decides, I'm going to kill all of them because I hate them all. Now, how did Hitler's ideology come into existence? How did, how did it become a reality in this world? Well, what caused it was suffering. And this is very big. Because our society, and as you've heard me say in different podcasts, our society does not know how to suffer and it does not like to suffer. So when moment comes that you're going through difficulties and problems are happening in your society, you know, you don't want to confront the suffering. So the first thing you do is get on Netflix, get on Disney Plus, or you pick up your cell phone and you watch six hours of Instagram because you don't want to think about your bills, you don't want to think about schooling. All this is a form of suffering. Schooling is a form of suffering. You know, but you put yourself through the suffering because you understand that there's a greater outcome at the end of the suffering. So what happens? You finish and everything is okay. But some of you, when you go to school, you're going to school because your parents told you to go to school because society told you to go to school. You don't go to school because you actually think that you should be in school. So what begins to happen is you find this all a suffering. Dealing with your parents is a suffering. Dealing with the fact that you were abused when you were a little kid, beaten up, bullied. Who knows what it is that you find so difficult. But all this suffering you can't take. In our society now, the world has put up an answer to the suffering, which is escape, right? And what's the escape? Whether it's virtual reality, whether it's uh, for all the moms who have kids, you know, I'd probably put a small pause, pornography, masturbation, you know, you, you, uh, you don't want to be escaping the suffering. To escape the suffering doesn't allow you to mature, doesn't allow you to grow up. So... <clears throat> What happens with Hitler? Hitler decides because of the suffering, he doesn't want his people to suffer no more. And he decides, I'm going to create the perfect idea and the perfect society where everything will run perfect and everybody will have even distribution and the economy will prosper and the German people shall become the superior race. So you see this a lot when you enter into uh, different communist countries. And this is what happens. Hitler takes communism, this Marxist mentality, and he takes Karl Marx's ideas, and he brings them to fruition. So this is what happens when you enter into suffering. You enter, you create an ideology in which you think is the right way that we should live. You have this divine reason in which we should, the world should govern ourselves. And this is what's kind of happening right now with Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset. I hope a lot of you who listen to the podcast have been YouTubing the Great Reset. Uh, you could put Davos, which is a place. Um, I forgot where, but Davos. And it's the World Economic Forum. And that's the actual like uh, foundation that Klaus Schwab created. And Klaus Schwab is trying to do something called the Great Reset. So he has his own divine reason in which he thinks that the world should govern themselves. Um, you have Jordan Peterson. As much as I like Jordan Peterson, there's also he's trying to create also a group of people 
that uh, is going to create a society or, or wants to help create these ideas in which we should all govern ourselves, right? Uh, everybody always has a reason. Now, don't get me wrong. Right now, I'm, 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 being, I'm treading cautiously with what Jordan Peterson is doing. A lot of the things that he does is very amazing. But become powerful enough and become great enough and even absolute power will corrupt you. And to have humility and, and to have this humbleness that exists inside of you for these moments is crucial and necessary because it allows you to, it reminds you that you are not God and that God kind of works his wonders and his ways throughout our world and our existence. But anyways, I'm going to put us, I'll put Peterson to the side right now. Because I still haven't heard too much about it, so don't quote me on everything that I just said. But he was on the Joe Rogan podcast just talking about this. Now, here's the thing. Now, how do you give an answer to the suffering? Right? Because this is why it's so important that parents, children, uh, young boys that are listening to this podcast, it is so important that we, that we form a good conscience. Because the conscious is the very thing that guides you when things are tough. The conscious is that that when everything is done and you have nothing to guide you, no intellect, no wisdom, no person, the last thing that kicks in is your conscious and you go, I only have my conscious to rely on, right? So when it comes down to deciding what you're going to do for your relationship and it comes down to whether you're going to divorce or not, whether you want to commit suicide and the reason why you're committing suicide um, Maybe situation with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Uh, what's happening at school, especially with this whole chat GPT? Should I cheat on my on my exam and write have this chat GPT write me an essay? Um, should I lie to my boss about you know what I'm doing and and how I, I I get out of work, you know, to get my sick days? You know, your your conscience when push comes to shove and you got nothing to rely on and nobody to give you sound advice, you. Got your con. The only thing you have left is your conscience, so it's very important. Now, how do you guide your conscience? This is my personal thought, and I've read a lot on this, and this is what I was giving in one of the talks. So, you can't go around looking for ideologies. You can't go around looking for Jordan Peterson to fix all your problems. Does he have a lot of wisdom? Yes. Does he have a lot of intellect and uh, discernment as to how? to guide people out of certain uh, psychological difficulties that they find themselves in or inner difficulties? Yes, he does. Don't get me wrong. 12 Rules for Life and Antidote to Chaos is an amazing, an amazing, an amazing book, and I love it. It's probably one of my top books. But Jordan Peterson is not the answer. Ben Shapiro is not the answer. Andrew Tate is definitely not the answer. The answer is... I believe is God. I truly believe this. You know, there's something interesting that, uh, because what what is going to form your conscience? What will form your conscience? If it's not some uh, ruling, some antidote to chaos, right? Some 12 rules for life. If it's not, you know, some schooling or some uh, ideology or your work or the work ethic or CrossFit, or this new health diet that you're doing that's going to fix magically all your problems, which it won't. Nothing ever does. So what do you use in order to form your conscience? You use absolute truth. Now, what is the truth? 
here's what I've said multiple times. I believe the ultimate truth is God. Now, you say to yourself, well, how do I find this? How do I get to the truth? It's interesting because you, you don't lie. That's what you do. And you try not to live a life filled with lies. And this is what Christ does. And I'll explain. I'll get deeper into this a little bit. But this is what Christ is. Because if you read in the Gospel of John, it says that the Word was with God and then the Word was made flesh. And then the Word, the word d- dwelt among us. So this is what it's saying is you got to remember is God is absolute truth because the devil is called the Lord of lies. So if God is absolute truth, what is it now? So what is the truth? Well, God's word, because you got to remember, you don't know if you're trying to reflect the image of truth. We don't know how God looks. And I've said this in other podcasts. We don't know how God looks. God is just, he is what he is. So what do you do to mirror his images? You mirror his actions. Just like many times people say, you're just like your father or you're just like your mother. You don't look like them, but you act like them because you're mirroring the very image that they are. You're just like them. So how do you become just like God, which in some ways we're all called to reach the highest version of ourselves, right? And, and the only way for us to get there is to enter into the reality of our existence. So you see this, God is absolute truth. When he brings the world into existence, he just speaks. And when he speaks, he speaks absolute truth, period. Okay? Because what is the opposite of God is the devil. And what is the devil? Many times he's called the Lord of lies. So now you enter into this moment within yourself. So you see this image in Christ, and it says that Christ, because Christ is with God, and it says in the Gospel of John that the Word was with God. So if Christ is with, is with God, and then he becomes flesh, and then that flesh lives among us, you, you live the absolute truth. And Christ is the complete manifestation, the complete reality of absolute truth. So... In order for you to bring the best possible life and to form your conscience in a moral way, right, is to live and speak and try to speak absolute truth. I say try because I don't think anyone really can. I think it's very difficult, but I think aiming towards the stars and aiming towards the heavens, towards God, is is essential in our lives. Because if you're not aiming up, then you're just aiming towards nothing, really. You're going nowhere. And, and the only way for you to move up in life, you have to constantly aspire towards the greatest possible good. So what I'm saying is, is to live and try to speak the truth. That if something is a lie, you try to accept that it is a lie and you try to do the opposite of what that lie is. You try to live in truth. Now, what is the truth? That is a very big question, but I think most of us can understand what the truth is. You know, when you're constantly trying to seek the truth, you know, you're not listening to one way. You're listening to everybody's answers. You're reading books from both left and right. You're reading books from from multiple walks of life. 
And then you're figuring out which way has kind of been the biggest answer. So for me, I, I believe that it is God. This is why I read the Bible constantly because I've never found a book that's more beautiful than the Bible. And it constantly helps me, helps me put into practice all these things. So, and that's why the word of God is absolute truth. And where is the word of God in the Bible? Now, there's different translations of the Bible that are terrible translations, but I think there are some good ones out there. One of them is the King James Version, the New Revised Standard Version. That's the St. Ignatius of the uh, St. Ignatius Press, uh, the St. Ignatius Bible, which is the New Revised Standard Version. And then there's the New Jerusalem Bible, which are the two best interpreted Bibles that exist out there from the Greek, Latin, uh, Aramaic version. So it's the best translated, those two different Bibles, with the Old and the New Testament. So now, what does this have to do with Andrew Tate? I hope that all that kind of gave you a little bit of some idea of how to confront ideologies, to enter into the suffering, okay? Don't run away from suffering. When you run away from suffering, you just become another Hitler. You just become another Klaus Schwab. You just become another Andrew Tate. Now, how, what, what does Andrew Tate have to do with all this? Andrew Tate is trying, Andrew Tate is a band-aid for the very problem that he is causing. Okay, so let me repeat that again very slowly. And, and I want all of you who are listening to Andrew Tate, listen very closely. Andrew Tate is a band-aid for the very problem that he is causing. What does he do? He tells everybody to get up, to do something with yourselves, to go out, to make money, to do who knows what, right? And uh, to confront the, the sufferings or whatever it is that he tries to tell everybody, right? But he, what does he do himself? He hangs around with his brother in, in, in UFC shorts with a UFC belt, like if he's some WWE, F WWE wrestler has his glasses, which I don't like people who, who wear glasses all the time, especially when there's no light that's coming in because it shows that they're trying to hide themselves a lot. If somebody doesn't want to show you their eyes, it's either because they have a facade or they don't want you to see what it is exactly that they're doing, where they're looking. And that's a, a very big thing. Anthropologically, that's a very big thing because we as human beings are the only mammals that develop the white around our eyes because it allowed us to see where the things that hold value are at. So when you look at someone's eyes, you can see where it is that they're looking because you can see what they hold as value. And people who put on sunglasses and wear them all the time is because they're constantly trying to hide themselves. And our eyes are a window to who we are and what we think. This happens naturally in the subconscious of our mind when you're looking at another human being. You judge real quick by looking at their eyes. Many people say it's the window and the eyes to the soul. But no, but our mind subconsciously knows how to more or less discern what that person is thinking. You see their eyes and you see where they're looking. And subconsciously, you're making all these calculations that you don't know why you're doing it. But you go, something about them I don't like. And usually it's because of that, because you see how they look. There's an evilness to their eye, how they're twitched, the eyebrows. You know, it's interesting. These new robots that are coming out, these AI robots, they just started to put facial expressions in their eyebrows, in their eyelashes, 
uh, that they could close their eyes, they can open their eyes, they can move their eyebrows, they can squint their eyes because another human being can relate and understand what the another human being is thinking just by their facial expressions. You can kind of tell if somebody has a bad intention. If they never speak, you can tell if they have a bad intention just by the facial expressions that they have, right? So you see this a lot with Andrew Tate. He's constantly wearing sunglasses and he's always hiding himself. And I don't like this in many, many ways. Also, a lot of these young boys are suffering. They're going through massive difficulties and they don't know how to confront the sufferings of life. And Andrew Tate gives them a band-aid fix. He gives them a small little fix. He tells everybody, he says, protect women, look after women, take care of women, be the protector of women. But yet he says that women are the property of men. Andrew Tate is in many ways, he's kind of like the, how do I put it to you? He's kind of like the, like in some ways like the devil. What will the devil do? The devil, what he does is in the book of Genesis, he only gives you a part of the story and he turns that story that it is in some ways it's true, right? He doesn't say it exactly the same way, but he turns it in a way that it's like it, it gets portrayed in a different aspect. And he knows where he's trying to get the person to go with those thoughts. He's taking the devil takes Eve in a certain direction by implanting certain thoughts. Is it true that you can't eat of any tree? It's like, no, it's like he only said one tree, but now you're saying every tree. Now you're putting a thought in Eve's brain. Now, what does Andrew Tate do? Andrew Tate gives you half-truths. He doesn't fully lie to you. He gives you half-truths. He says that women are the subject of men. Now, let's get one thing clear. I believe, listen to me closely, and don't take my words out of context. I believe that men are the subject of women, and women are also the subject of men when you get married. Because how can you completely love each other? How do you enter into a complete devotion of love if you have walls up? And the only way that you can enter into a complete love is to give yourself completely at, and you leave yourself at the mercy of the other human being so that they can do whatever it is that they want. And then when you see that they choose to love you instead of beat you, smack you, yell at you, I'm not saying Andrew Tate is doing this, and I'm not saying that he's been caught doing this. No, I'm not. But when they don't and they decide to love you, that is true love. When you become the subject to the other, that you don't belong to yourself, but you belong to the other. And when you take your life in that sense, you take more care of yourself. If you have a dollar... And then another, somebody else gives you a dollar. You're not going to care so much about the value of your dollar because you know you earn it at any moment. But somebody else gives you a dollar. You're holding it and you're protecting it a little bit more because you know that you were given this to safeguard it. Now your wife, you get married with your wife. Now you made a promise that you no longer belong to yourself but to her. So in essence, you are borrowing her body that belongs to her, and you are just holding it. So now you safeguard this, and you safeguard the chastity. You don't look at other women. You protect yourself in many different ways. So do you see, Andrew Tate wants, he looks at it so that he can use women in the way that he wants. 
whether it's putting them on webcams, whether it's uh, for his own general purposes, but it's not. If you truly see a woman for who she is, then you see that she is there for your help, not for your benefits. And he's creating this mentality and this in this new age where uh, he wants, it seems like he wants to create a society to fight this new age that sees masculinity as something toxic. And he's creating like an Illuminati. This is what I believe. I believe that at this point, from this point on, everything else that I've told you is stuff that I've seen, that I've heard, that I've, I've seen from him. Okay. But now entering into this, into this part, by the way that the Vice had done a documentary on him, you see that he's kind of entering in it into a situation right now where he wants to create like an Illuminati. He wants to create a group. Now, Vice has their own agendas, and you can tell when Vice did their documentary that it's with a certain agenda. They have a certain way that they're going about it, and they want to kind of uh, take your conservative right mentality and, and show them, oh, look how terrible... You know, and they kind of exaggerate and portray things in a certain way. But they still did show some truths. The video is video, and his voice and his words are still his words. So he does have this thing where he hates the fact that men are being trampled on. And he has this situation, right? Because he ends up going to live with his mother for a certain time, and you see it with him. You know, he kind of has this thing where, like, it, it, you... It seems like it hurts him the fact that his father was looked at as something weak or was kind of left or they separated, you know, and you, the way he speaks about his father, you see this a lot. So I believe, I believe this. Andrew Tate is giving an answer to what the society sees as a problem, right? Society sees uh, masculinity as something toxic. And Andrew Tate sees masculinity as the answer to all the problems. And it's not. I believe that it has to be a perfect balance of chaos and order. Uh, masculinity and femininity. I believe that the man awakens the most beautiful side of the woman. And I believe that the woman awakens the most beautiful side of man. You know, you, you have this story with Sleeping Beauty, right? Where the man, the Prince Charming, goes to kiss Aurora and he in some ways awakens that side in Aurora. And the same thing happens with, with men. Men are, with the levels of tes testosterone that we have, we're such natural aggressors. This is the truth. We're natural, aggressive men. And it's not a bad thing. Aggression is a good thing when it's, when it's tamed and put in order. Aggression is a very good thing. Right, because sometimes a woman doesn't feel that, and it's because of her natural biology. She she's she's not as aggressive. I mean, women are mainly estrogen, and men are mainly testosterone. We both have a little bit of both inside of our body, biologically speaking. But when a man stands behind his woman, and the woman wants to take something, take upon something in this world, or she wants to confront somebody, sometimes the man, because of the aggression that exists within him. He awakens that aggressive side within the woman. And, and she's, when she's scared to do something, he stands behind her. Or sometimes he moves and, and goes in front of her and kind of opens up the pathway for, for the best possible version of the girl to arise. And it's not a bad thing because the same thing happens with a woman to a man. 
Sometimes men are too aggressive and sometimes men become too much and sometimes men become too orderly. They become dictators, tyrants in the world. And the woman needs to come in and remind them that there's emotions, there's feelings, we're human beings. This, the, the emotional level, the, sensi the sensitive side. I think that's why when a woman loses her emotional sense and becomes, she's not sensitive anymore, I think it kind of loses the natural sense of the woman. You take away what she was made for, right? She's biologically made to be a sensitive human being. And that's not a bad thing, you know, because with very sensitive, um, when you have such a high sensitivity to negative emotions, which most women do, you know, biologically, you are the ones that bear the children. You hold the children. You give birth to the children. And when a child is first growing up and he's trying to uh, to to let you know that he's hungry, that he needs to be changed, that he has gas, there's different cries that the baby does and the mom can tell the difference because she's so sensitive to negative emotions do you understand that neither one is the answer andrew tate does not have the answer all of you who are listening to andrew tate stop be cautious with following this man because this man is not going to guide you towards a great place you're going to get everything you're going to find everything and you're going to see that Having an expensive car is not going to make you happy. Having women will not make you happy. Having lots of money will not make you happy. You want to follow Andrew Tate because you think he is going to make you happy. No. Now, does this man say some truths? Yes. I agree with some of the things that he does say. There's a lot of people who say a lot of truths, who say a lot of things. You'd be surprised. You listen to some some of crazy, crazy, demonic Hitler, and there's some things that he got right. Some of you are driving a Volkswagen Beetle, and guess what? That was Hitler's, whether you like it or not. Do you understand? There's some things that he got right. There's some things that brought a certain innovation because of him that just came out right. Now, is there something that Andrew Tate says right? Yes. I'll give you an example. Andrew Tate says that women should bear some of the responsibilities for some of the things that happen to them when and depending. It's not absolute. It's not to say that all women that are abused or raped are responsible. What he's saying is, is that the women who are walking around half naked and are walking down the street or are going to a club because why do most men the highest average of men will go to clubs for one reason, to go dance with another girl. They're, trust me, a straight man is not going to a club to go dance with himself or to dance with his boys or to have his boy back up his junk, right? Uh, uh, back, up, back himself up on, on his junk. That's not why boys go to clubs. Come on, wake up. What they're trying to do is they're trying to sleep with a woman. They're trying to find a place. They're trying to meet somebody. They're trying to hang out and have a good time. What does your average men see as a good time? It's more than just hanging out with the boys. There's always some subliminal, some conscious reason as to why they're going to the clubs. Are all boys like this? Some of you boys might go to the clubs and you might do this right uh, with a pure intention because society says that you're going to be happy if you go to the club and that's why you're going there. But most guys have a perverse reason why they're going there. That's why you see that 
a lot of the guys who are in the clubs past like when they're past 40 years old i mean they're, they're just they're just pervs it's disturbing they're still trying to be young most guys who are in the clubs they're under the age of 40 still hanging out still trying to you know, pick up a girl here and there. And the highest majority are, are, are between 20 to 30 that are entering into the clubs. So you see this, right? It's, it's when a girl ends up in a club and something happens and she was dressed in a perverse way and she put herself in that scenario, she has to bear some responsibility. Now, we all say if a rich person is walking around with a briefcase full of money, open with millions of dollars in a briefcase completely open so that the whole barrio in puerto rico or the whole barrio in east la and 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 the ghettos of compton and 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 i don't know in el salvador in, in you know you know with with ms-13 if if somebody grabs him and shoots him and beats him up and takes his money and murders him people are gonna say what the hell was that guy doing walking around with a briefcase open with millions of dollars exposed so that all these people could see? That was his fault. What an idiot. Well, we should say the same thing about the women too. Do you understand this? But we, we've become such a sensitive, cancel culture society that you cannot say truths like that. And then when bad things happen... They happen because we don't accept the fact that human beings have a malignant side that we exists within us. And that when you're intoxicated or you're not in your right state of mind or you don't have a well-formed moral conscience, you're just going to do what feels right at that time. And you follow your impulsive nature, which is dangerous. Do you see this? I mean, I'm not saying that Andrew Tate is completely wrong. He does say some things that are rock solid and i agree with them but do not follow andrew tate like he is going to have the answer for you i don't know if he even wants you to follow him i don't know if he even knows what he's doing i think this all came to such a high rise that it just happened and now he's here and now he's trying to develop something as it's happening it's interesting. He's, he's a very great chess player. And he says, you always have to think of the next move. He goes, I've thought a few moves ahead. Him being in the cancel culture, he says that it's just his stage one of a three-stage plan. Do you see this? I mean, this man is kind of giving signals here. Be cautious because he is a band-aid problem to the very thing he causes. He wants boys to grow up to do something with their lives and to bear responsibility and to treat women right. But yet he tells men that women are their property when they get married. And he also says, you know, or he, he doesn't say, but he tells you to buy cars and to hang out, you know, by how he lives his life, hang out with your brother, smoke cigars, do whatever the hell you want, go to the clubs, live this bachelor life. Trust me, that's not going to make you happy. And if some of you have gotten out of depression because of the things that he's told you to do, it's going to last only for a small time. And then after you've completed those goals and after you've done some of these things, depression will kick back in. So be careful with following ideologies. 
ideologies come from suffering. And if you're going through some suffering, confront the suffering. Look at the suffering head on. Stare at the suffering. Do not run away from it. Because only when you confront the sufferings of your life, no matter how deep or how crazy it is, only when you look at it head on, will you be healed of all the difficulties. This is why Christ says, he who does not carry his cross cannot follow me. You want to be resurrected, metaphorically speaking, saying for the new man to arise like Jesus Christ, you must confront the suffering. Don't follow ideologies human beings we make mistakes you follow a human being maybe he'll guide you out of a certain darkness but he won't be able to take you to complete happiness and no man has the right answers we're all flawed and eventually we will lead you back to darkness again we can guide you out of the darkness but we can also guide you right back into the darkness do not make idols of man only have one idol, which is God. And guess who supports this mentality? Bon Appetito Restaurante. Bon Appetito Restaurante is one of the best restaurants here in this area. And honestly, you will love them. Bon Appetito Restaurante is located in Norwich Westerly Road and is in North Stonington, Connecticut. They are an amazing place. They are 386 Norwich Westerly Road in North Stonington, Connecticut. The family is amazing. They are 4.5, a 4.5 restaurant. Do you understand that? Most places, when you have 4.5, you go there and everything you eat tastes amazing. So check them out. And this could be right on your way to the biggest casino in the world, which is not just gambling. They have a museum that can tell you how, you know, the pilgrims and the Indians first integrated themselves here on this land. They have beautiful shopping places. They, you know, you want to go and check out some high-end retail stores for here and there, you know, when not to get yourself into debt. But here and there, when you've worked hard and you want to buy yourself something nice and beautiful, they have some high-end retail stores, beautiful uh, things to check out, you know, Connecticut is a great place for all of you who are checking us out or listening to this podcast, check out Connecticut, man. Who cares about these big cities? Forget these big cities. You don't need these big cities. Half of these big cities you go and they got this crazy liberal mentalities and all you're doing is clubbing. Big cities all have the same things. It's restaurant clubs and just a way to escape, right? Here we have beaches, we have forests, we have you know, in your fall, you got your pumpkin uh, picking, you got your apple picking, you can go out to, you know, all these different orchard farms, you know, they have all these beautiful places to be able to go hiking, check us out, and you can check out Bon Appetito Restaurante while you're there. Until next time, God bless.